My name's Jordan. I'm a lawyer. I deal with rules all day. You are board gamers, so you deal with rules all day. Um, so we're talking about rules and rule books this week on Board Game Faith. Hello and welcome everybody to Board Game Faith, uh, the uh, bi-weekly show exploring religion and spirituality and board games. We are so grateful to have everybody here today. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Daniel Hilty. My name's Kevin Taylor. And my name is Jordan Old. Jordan, welcome. We are so grateful to have you here. Well, thank you very much. Uh, long-time listener, first-time uh, guest. Happy to be here. Oh, you did a a, a capital job at the intro recording, by the way. Thank you for, for doing that. That was fantastic. Jordan uh, is on the episode today because if you have listened before, uh, as, as Jordan has so faithfully listened to the show, you may remember already we had a contest a few episodes back to celebrate a thousand followers on Instagram. And, uh, and uh, Jordan is the winner of that contest. And so uh, that means... You got to record the intro and also to help guide the discussion of of an episode and and Jordan you picked well go ahead and say a little bit more please about the the, t- the topic you picked for us today and 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 why it interests you please well I I picked uh, rules and rule books and I, and I think the the well partly because uh, as I mentioned I'm I'm a lawyer I deal a lot with rules. Um, and specifically, as far as board game faith, I am a uh, a church lawyer. I do work for a lot of nonprofits and for religious clients, so I see a lot of overlap between um, rules and faith, rules and theology, both civil rules and, and laws and ecclesial rules and how different denominations kind of structure themselves. It's always kind of fascinated me. And uh, I'm also a board game nerd and self-avowed uh, board game lawyer. So, Really? Self-avowed board game lawyer? Well, I have a t-shirt. My wife got me a t-shirt that says board <laughs> game lawyer. So I think that counts. And a board game rules lawyer means what? Um, I'm, I'm often the guy that is thumbing through the rule book constantly because it drives me nuts when there's an unanswered question. Right. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. And generally, I, I love uh, learning and teaching the rules of games. Ooh. Hey, Kevin, haven't you described yourself as kind of a rules lawyer, too, or not? No, is that, is that not you? I am. Yeah. I am. And I don't know about you, Jordan, but I have to sort of watch that impulse because it can kill the, the table spirit. So I, I try to not consult too much, depending on who's there. You know, I, I have a I have a, a, a friend and, and coworker named named Jewel. I'm actually going to maybe be quoting her later on. Uh, she's a pastor as well, and she had the musician. No, no, a pastor, really oh, a, a awesome. fantastic pastor, and she also has observed this connection between uh, the, this overlap in the area of rules between games and and religion, and and I guess maybe a, a third circle in that Venn diagram is the world of of law as well. And so yeah, you kind of bring all three of those together in your, in your interest, Jordan. I'm, I'm excited to get to talk about rules um, this hour. 
So, so good topic. Thank you for suggesting it. Um, it is a good topic. And I should probably, just for the sake of, of transparency, uh, Jordan and I know each other outside of the show. We are, we are friends, but uh, he, he was, he totally won the contest fair and square. We, we, we randomly uh, drew names of all the entries and, and just happened to be him. So anyway, uh, it was my big the, the, yeah. <laughs> We are honored. We're honored. All right. Rule so books. rule books. Let's talk rule books. Are they cool? Yeah. Are rule books cool? Let's take a roundtable vote. This, so we should say that a lot of our conversation today is based around um, suggestions that Jordan had for our discussion of rule book and religion and, and, and faith and life and ministry. And the first one, and Kevin helped to, to draw all of that together as well, is a roundtable vote. So what is our relationship to rule books? Do we, do we prefer A, the intense pre-read, B, read as you attempt to play, C, watch YouTube, D, have someone teach you, or E, dial 1-800-RULES-LAWYER? So what do you all think? Kevin, what about you? Where are you on that? On that? You're a watch YouTube. I'm a watch YouTube and a little bit of, of read as I play. I think it's hard for me to imagine mm. the rules in reality, right? So I need to see it in a physical manifestation, either by YouTube, somebody showing you, or experimenting, trying to play with, you know, two, yeah, pl- yeah. two imaginary players, as you, you know, that trick. And so trying to consult the rules and going back and forth between that. So, yeah, yeah but I, yeah. I think I need to see the physical stuff. So what about you, Jordan? I am, I am the opposite. I need to do the intense pre-read. Um, and, and I, I like, there, there's some amazing folks out there on YouTube that will do walkthroughs or rule explanations, but I, I can't get to that until I've read it. Um, but I, I'm with you. Sometimes as I'm reading it, I need to actually sit down and get stuff out of the box and mm-hmm. feel it and touch it and look at it. So I know, you know, when they uh, mention bonus yeah. cards versus action cards, I can see what they look like. And huh. um, yeah, but yeah. but I have to do that read through first. Otherwise, it just doesn't click for me. So what would be your approach? Would it be get the rule book and set everything out and then kind of. Or would you even read it before you buy it, like online? Have you ever done that kind of yeah. thing? No, typically I'll get the rule book out and I'll set aside some time and just read through. And then um, if, if I'm going to teach a game, so many games now have solo mode. If I'm going to teach a big game, I will read through it. I'll watch a video if I need to. And then I will play through it solo if I can mm-hmm. before I'm going to do a teach, uh, especially for bigger, heavier games where I know People are going to be committing a couple hours. I want to make sure that I understand. Um, but yeah, sometimes you read, and I, I just need to sit down at the table with the box and you know feel and actually touch everything uh, and move it around the board. Uh, There's something about that. yeah. I think about grounding the the theory and the ideas into physical objects and environments that can be reinforcing of the learning process for for a lot of folks. See, and for me, I think it's almost necessary. It's really hard for me to just read the rule yeah. book. I, I just mm-hmm. get kind of lost. 
So it's only only once I understand the game, then I go back to the rule book and it makes complete sense, generally. Yeah, I, th- I think sense. I'm... Yeah. What, what, what about you, Daniel? A little bit more like Jordan, but, um, but a little bit of kind of both of you. Yeah, I, 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 I do have to read through the instruction manual first. I, I, I enjoy just kind of sitting down and reading through the instruction mm-hmm. manual. Um, but but yes, but then the next step is sitting down with the instruction manual and uh, with a table with the game out in front of me at a table and kind of playing it solo or playing you know two two players mm-hmm. to you know against myself um, and uh, have have you ever known the person they can kind of almost guess the rules? It's a really weird type of intelligence I've observed. And it's the kind of intelligence where someone can figure out how something works, like hardware-wise, like your car is broken or the sink's broken, and they immediately can intuit what's going on. And it's real interesting. And some people can do that with board games because I need to go find the rules because I can't, you know, I need to know the rules. But they can sort of like, Mm -hmm. well, that can't be true because it Mm -hmm. would break the game. And then I realize, yeah, you're totally right. But it, it's weird how they can it grasp it. Kind of, just they can kind of see the game. Kind of special intelligence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I th- I think we all get better at it as you play. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm teaching a game, teaching people who have played for years, it's completely different than teaching somebody know uh, somebody sure. new. And frankly, sometimes I go back to games that I played when I a few years ago when I was starting in the hobby and I thought oh this just seems so complicated yeah, and I pick it yeah. up now and it's 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 not right, uh, right. just because I think you pick up these mechanisms and you know you figure point. out the iconography yeah. that goes along with a lot of games yeah there are a lot of cues that you pick up and, and remixes of things yeah what's a game that was that for you Jordan that you went back to and you're like, oh, this makes... For me, it was Through the uh, Ages. We were just so stumped by that game. I've never played that one. Um, That's good. One of the first... Uh, well, actually, I'm going to give you a full circle moment. One of the first games that Daniel ever taught me was Roll for the Galaxy. And I remember it was one of the first games, and it was wonderful because you got to roll these multicolored dice and everything but it was a whole lot when you're not used to i, I remembered he said he got the expansion and at that point i was thinking what the heck is an expansion right. um you know how quickly we forget and this past week uh i learned race for the galaxy and i remember thinking back to roll for the galaxy and the iconography and thinking what is going on mm-hmm. and playing race for the galaxy just picked it up like that um because they're, they're similar games, cards versus dice, um, but I kind of had the sense of here's how action selection works, mm-hmm. and here's how multi-use cards That's work, yeah. and here's yeah. generally yeah. how I've seen this iconography. The more you play games, games, the more you can have a vocabulary of just certain certain assumptions and mechanisms that help immensely in learning in learning others. Yeah, I have fond memories of that. Of that role for the galaxy game too. That was that was that was good. So do people? So do you like rule books as a genre? <laughs> I love them or hate them. Just a well-written rule book where you can just pick it up and kind of figure out where the designer was going and and visualize the game is it just sings. Uh, but 
Boy, when when you get a stinker, it uh, I, I feel like it, a, a bad rule book can just ruin the game. How well written, if it uses visuals so you can kind of see the game getting coming together. Um, you know, there, there are examples where you can pick up the rule book and read it and then feel like, oh, I could sit down and play this game. Uh, and the, the worst is when you read a rule book and you finish it up and then you set the game up in front of you and you don't know what to do. Like, you don't even know what the first step is, uh, which can be really, really frustrating, uh, particularly if it's a great game and it's yeah, just kind yeah. of a barrier to entry. Like a good, that seems to be, I, th I think, a, an important aspect of well-written rules is it gives you a, a sense of... Uh, it's especially focused on the first play of a game. You know, like uh, good rules seem to have that in mind. Like, you know, um, what do you, what should you do in your first play? When I was trying to think about like good examples of rule books um, for this episode, that those are the ones that came to my mind. The ones that, you know, especially focus a lot of time on um, your very first time at the table, what you should do, sort of. And what are some good, yeah, speaking of which, like, what are some good examples of rule books that you all have found? The Frostpunk game, which is so great, they hired the gaming rules video YouTuber. Have oh, you seen yeah. that guy? Paul oh, yeah, 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 Paul. Yeah, or that, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, Paul. <clears throat> he did the rule and Paul Grogan? That sounds right. I don't know why I'm remembering this. Anyway, gaming rules and you would hope he'd have a good rule book and he really does so he did that rule book and uh, just lots of spacing lots of clear sections and i find when i have a rules lawyer moment i can generally figure out where it must be because the problem i run into the bad rule books like for mage knight it's in there it's just not where mm. you think it's going to mm. be that the bit about movement is not in the section with movement right. but about Right. player setup like like they put it in a place that i guess it made sense to the designer but it doesn't make sense right. to the larger audience right. Right. where they put it and 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 it's interesting certain people get a reputation for doing bad mm -hmm. rule books mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so the the vlada guy with czech games he, he's kind of i think known for and that's bad it bad is kind of subjective but it but in seems like many people are frustrated by them. So that's kind of the criterion. Mage Knight did me in. Uh, it was one of the first big games that I bought, and it took me forever to learn it. I loved it. And then it, a month or two passed, and I picked it up again, and I'm like, I need to reread the rule book. And I stared at it, and I just thought, I, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't do this a second time. Um, I came up with some recent examples of really, really good rule books. Oh, yeah, books. like what? Uh, if you'd like to. So recently I picked up Final Girl. I don't know yeah. if you have seen that. It is a solo only That's a great game. Uh, have you played it? Mm -hmm. It's, I, I think it's fantastic. And I'm a I big do too. Fan. It's very different from anything else. Yeah. See, I, I love, um, I love horror movies and kind of slasher. Yep, yep, yep. Me too. So yeah. It was just uh, fantastic, but I, I wrote it down. It was so good. There's a page towards the end. So this is a game that gets bigger as you add on these, not chapters, but I forget what they're called, episodes or something. And they have a section in the rulebook on mm -hmm. game ambiguity. And it says, it can happen from time to time that something may not be covered in the rules, 
there's a timing question, strange card interaction, a tie. So apply one of the following, and it gives you examples. You can play using the rule of infinite evil in which um, you resolve in such a way that results in the worst outcome to you. Mm-hmm. The rule of abject realism, which is the most realistic or thematic outcome, or the rule of never-ending hilarity, which <laughs> resolves the issue in, with the funniest outcome. And I know this so is good. so lonely, so you're, you're not grappling with other people, but I just thought, how great for a designer to put in there, yeah, you're not always going to have an answer, mm. here's how you should resolve it. Right. I thought that was brilliant. And horror and comedy are awesome, are often neighbors, so it could go one Absolutely. way or the other. Absolutely. Yeah, I know that's, that's a great game. Um, yeah, because you have to get the base, and it looks like a, v, a VHS player. You get mm-hmm. the core box, and then you buy little chapters or little different movie scenarios, and, and uh, it's a really cool idea. It's a brilliant system. Yep. And it's one that, that – that, I think I had a hard time learning it at first. I found there were some things – it seemed counterintuitive. But once I got it, I can kind of pick it up and go back. Whereas, as you said, Mage Knight, it's like – I don't know. You, you have to get a crash course again. Mm-hmm. It's very funky. It's interesting. I, I haven't played that at all. But, I mean, the, it, sounds, it sounds like a fascinating game. But, but I, also, I also love that approach at the end of the rule book. I mean, it brings up the questions of, about like – There are the rules, and then there are like the, the rules, like beyond the rules, right? <laughs> like, like there, there, there are the rules, and then uh, it's about specific uh, scenarios in a game and and moments in a game. But then there are the rules about how do we guide those moments when the rules don't apply. You know, does that kind of make sense? It's Right, or something broken appears. Like a meta rule. That's why I have a job, because there are so many, only so many written rules, and then it all comes down to interpretation. And how do you apply this rule to this set of facts when they don't really add up all the time? That's what keeps a lot of us employed, is that there's always some ambiguity. There's always some, you know, you're advocating for your cause as to how to apply Mm. the rules to your... Mm. Facts scenario, right? Uh, which I think we do in board games. Go a little bit off script here, but I wonder. I'd be interested in your all's reflections on what are the differences between the rules that we encounter in board games, the rules that we encounter in the legal system, and the rules that we encounter in in a life of faith. What are what are do we approach those differently, and? I'm going off script here. Well, I can tell you, I've spent the last few years working through uh, some really difficult questions, including a, you know, I don't think a potential, an actual schism in a denomination over a lot of tricky issues. And as I'm reading through that, the idea of the rules of infinite evil, abject realism, and never-ending hilarity aren't that off from how people interpret scripture sometimes. Maybe that's a bit reductionist, but, uh, you know, people bring their own rules for how to interpret rules to the table all the time in, in their faith life, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good question. It seems like there's a lot of different cultures and personalities. Some people just are not going to follow the rules. They just hate rules. And, and if you tell them you're supposed to do X, they'll do Y. And other people are very rules-oriented and take real comfort from them. And I, I guess I see that in terms of how people drive, <laughs> um, you know, and, and how they approach rules. And, and sometimes they're just lucky that they haven't gotten caught what doing whatever. Uh, Orthodox Judaism, we learned from our guest, um, Daniel, right? Yeah. The Board Game Co., that's a very regimented approach to life. And he even told us that there's a phrase in the Orthodox Jew- Jewish community of ask your local rabbi. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. And there's an acronym he told us. I'd have to go back and look. A-Y-L-R. Because basically, basically that rabbi there in the local community mm-hmm. functions as a lawyer. So they interpret because it came up with our playing games would playing games break the Sabbath? And he said, it depends on the rabbi's ruling. So they recognize mm-hmm. multiple rabbis and also the authority of the rabbi to interpret a gray area. But that's just Orthodox Judaism. You know, Reformed Jews would be like, what? And would just fly right because they, they're not operating like that. It it strikes me how much how much of what we call rules, both for yeah, I mean in in faith traditions like Orthodox Judaism and but in other traditions as well, and in games and in the world of law, comes down to this kind of this kind of assumption that something has been set to paper, right? Some, some words have been put on paper and that gives it a special kind of authority, right? That, I, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, uh, you look at a game and you say, well, this is how to play the game. Why? Because it's on the paper, right? And, 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 and well, you broke the law. Why is this a law? Well, it's because on, it's on paper, you know? And, and, and that, can, that can be an approach to faith, though I have to admit probably as the years have gone on, of those three areas, those are probably been the areas. That's probably the area where I'm, I'm less into. What does it say on the paper? Um, I don't know. I, 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 why is that about? What is that about us human beings that we? Does that strike either of you as strange that we just give extra authority to some words because somebody wrote it on a piece of paper? You need yeah. some guidelines. Yeah, yeah. You need some rules, right, for a society to function, for a, a religion to function, for a, a game yeah. in the magic circle to function, right? You need at least some, some guidelines. And I think seeing something on paper is – well, it, I think it's more than it's just on paper. It's like for me um, to look at a board game and there's a question of, well, how are we going to do it? Well, we're going to do it how it's written in the manual – um, a lot of that is because somebody put a lot of time and effort into this game and play tested it, and this is mm. how they put it together. Right. I want to honor how they put it together. Mm. Now I might house rule it later on yeah. if I think, yeah, that didn't work for me. But I wonder is that you know I, I think that's what we do with the law. People are constantly talking about all well, the founding fathers, this, that, or the other. And in theology, I think oftentimes it's the same way. There's not as much a an understanding of who put it on paper or how it was put on paper, but um, it's it's the intent of of um, some sort of 
creator, whether mm -hmm. it be a game designer or a theological one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's got me thinking. The paper is a process of capturing something in a moment of time, right? So this became authoritative. And, and so the Second Amendment in the United States, it, it protected the, the right to bear arms. But the question then becomes, it's a very different world in 2023 versus muskets of the 18th century. So time has changed potentially how we understand that law. And that's where things get tricky. And even reminds me of Final Girl, like Final Girl's admitting there will be future scenarios that come out that may break the core box in ways they didn't intend. So they're trying to build in this this kind of way to adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, but some things aren't really adaptable. The idea that we should have control over our bodies to some degree, right? Like, like the extent of that gets debated, but there are certain ironclad rules do not murder an innocent human being. And you know, there, there are some that seem somewhat timeless, but most everything is time bound and then it gets tricky. And that's why you have to ask your local rabbi because, <laughs> because the rules of laws of Moses were invented before electricity. So then now your refrigerator has to have a Sabbath mode because they didn't have refrigerators back then. Like, and that's just being Orthodox Jew in the 21st century. Right. The, the, pro, the, the Methodist said, so, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm an outsider, but, but yeah, it's, it's part of trying to, so what, I don't know. I think I'm with Jordan. They're, they're not, it didn't surprise me as much, but it, it, but sometimes the laws and the rules are bad or tricky or, or they're, yeah. so when, they don't when apply do we, anymore. Uh, when do we make the decision to, in a game, to house rule a rule or, and then I guess maybe the follow-up question is that when do we make, when do we make a, uh, a decision in the larger world to reinterpret a religious law or to change a law in some sort of legal code? But let's start with games. When do we decide to house rule a rule? What, what gives us authority for that? Yeah. My biggest house, yeah. My biggest house rule uh, my daughter, Joe and I uh, played through Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, which is a cooperative deck building game. And it's actually in, an incredibly good game. It's a pretty simple deck builder, but it's, it's great. And you play through all seven years of Hogwarts, and the first game or two or three are pretty simple. Um, and then as you go, the bosses get bigger, and there are more of them, and it's tougher. And so I think you're starting the game with two or three bad guys out, maybe two. Uh, and if you draw two bad guys from year seven, game over. I mean, good luck. It's, it's a terrible draw. I don't think you'll be able to survive. If you draw two bad guys from year one or year two, it's going to be really, really easy. Well, we played a few times and just had bad luck in drawing the, the worst of the worst mm -hmm. bad guys out front. And it was not fun at all. I mean, we just floundered and then lost pretty quick. And we tried it a couple times. And after, after two or three times, I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we draw? If we don't like it, we can draw again. And if we don't like it, we can draw again. We got three draws. And, um, mm. and we played and eventually won. And by the time you get to year seven, you're in for like an hour and a half, two-hour game. And playing at the time she yeah. was nine years yeah. old, that's a lot of time. So I wanted to make sure if we're going to devote that, 
it needed to be a fair fight and we needed to be, yeah, you know, yeah. setting ourselves up to have fun. I, I think for me, I, I felt like, okay, that's still honoring the game. It's just almost kind of creating a, mm-hmm. a difficulty level. Um, we're still going to fight those bad guys. They're likely just going to come later in the game when we got better cards. Um, and I think we did it because it made yeah. the game infinitely more fun. We weren't just dying immediately every single time, which so you kind of honor the it, so you kind of house rule if it honors the spirit of the game in a way. Mm-hmm. And if I was playing with another forty-year-old, I don't know if mm-hmm. I would do that. But mm-hmm. playing with a nine-year-old, I thought, okay, th- right. this is this is bringing it to the audience. In the in the way that I think the the designer would appreciate, and more yeah, importantly, yeah. we as the players appreciate. Yeah, I think it's rooted in experience that that a group of people have played it enough that they have said we think this fixes something or or, or covers a hole. So I, I like that, Jordan. That you you based on repeated plays, you saw a problem and you addressed it, and it made it more fun. I know Daniel's done that with Telestrations, that that y'all go really off script because you've played it so much. You you actually kind of invented your own version of Telestrations, right. which is surreal. Just <laughs> what's in my brain? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We house rule, uh, and I probably have not played a, a set game enough mm. to have to house rule it. To yeah. be honest, because of changing groups and changing right, game addictions. Right. right. <laughs> Right, of buying different kind of like games, a, what do they say that about? Like if you're learning music, you gotta you gotta learn the scales well enough before you can improvise and go get away from the scales. Or yeah, you have to. It, it's important to learn mm-hmm. a game first before maybe before deciding how to mm-hmm. how to house rule it. So yeah, so being aware of the right. of the of the people who are involved in it and where they are being sensitive to the spirit of the game. And, and I think agreeing well, as a group. So it's not just you, but the group is like, we're going to, don't right. you think this would make it better? Right. Yeah. So do we have a similar process in, yeah. in, in matters of faith or, or the, or, or law? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think the church has a lot of authority as a group mm-hmm. to make changes. Um, I think more than that, individuals, you know, 10 people can read the same text, the same scripture, 10 different ways. Um, And I think sometimes maybe that's the point of scripture. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I have have no qualifications to make that. Yeah, but I, I, I do think, kind of like you said, Daniel, you need to learn the game first. And once you get a sense of the the work as a whole, the scripture as a whole, the whatever the, the faith background is, whatever the, the religious text is as a whole, you can use that to a specific piece of, of religious mm-hmm. text, a, a specific scripture, and say, oh, I read it this way, but if I consider, you know, all of the teachings of Jesus Christ or whoever it might be, oh, well, based on that, Mm-hmm. This is how I understand it. This idea of like scripture interprets scripture or the tradition or kind of the whole of 
the whole of the tradition interprets any particular part of the tradition. Right. Well, here's a real life example. As I look at the Bible, there's there are hints that women can have religious leadership, but it's not boldly stated, correct? I mean, you can find glimmers. You have Deborah as a judge. Um, you there are some lists in the New Testament of women that seem to have a special role. But the idea that a woman could be a pastor or a bishop is not explicitly stated. But United Methodist Church have said, you know, while it's not stated, this is what we believe, that women can be pastor. And, and other denominations disagree, like Catholic Church or Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and that's fine. It's a big world. But, but that, that's an example of where it kind, you could almost argue that's a house rule, which I don't mean to make it seem unimportant. But, you know, I think the church and the Holy Spirit can lead people to step out in new directions. I, yeah. That we're yeah, not stuck yeah. with just the rules. If we're stuck with the rules, I mean, we'd still be, we, we would live yeah. under a monarchy. Because <laughs> that's all the Bible imagines it's, is monarchies. Because that's because again, it's it's a it's a slip of time, right? It's something caught in time. And it's right, and in some ways, that example. I mean, it, it it's almost kind of yes. In some ways, it's kind of changing the rules, but it's but it's it's almost like a changing of the rules to like preserve a deeper rule. You know what I mean? Kind of like like to to um, to be faithful mm-hmm. to a, to a, to an older rule. Um, I, I keep finding myself thinking about, yeah, I mentioned my friend, uh, Jewel earlier, who's a pastor as well. And she, we work together at the church where I am right now. And we had a series recently on play and faith. And she had this really neat series sermon about rules and religion and games and such. And, um, it, I, th- I think she had, she had this great insight on like, you know, really the rules are in the rules are in service to the game, right? And and not the other way around. And and I think about you know, Jesus kind of talked about things like this as well. You know, and you know he said like you know Sabbath is in service to humankind and not the other way around. You know the the rules of Sabbath and um and and the example she gave, which is which is a great example, and I, I won't represent it very well because I don't know enough about about sports ball, but. It was about um, it was about baseball, right? And so apparently, that's the one with the stick. Okay, yes, I think that's right. You do clockwise. In clockwise. Wait, or counterclockwise? That's metric, though. Clockwise. That's metric. Yeah. Right. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the American. Low score win. Yeah, I remember when I played baseball. I ran to third base and home, and I thought I'd won the game. I, I you, I, I would celebrate you and <laughs> welcome you and. I, like, I would, why can't I choose? That's, that's the that's winning in my book. Um, yeah, yeah, but she <laughs> gave this example. Um, she's great, and I can't remember all the details. But but basically, of how the rules of professional baseball have changed over the last century or whatever, mm. and including up until like this last year, I guess there was some rule about you know the pitcher not holding on to the ball for too long, or whatever. And but you know what her point was. You change the rules to make baseball more baseball, right? Like, like you to to make it even more baseball-y, 
you know right and and i when i kind of think about that with you know in terms of as rules of faith um uh, evolve and grow you know in, in some ways oh yeah it's this kind of novel new thing but in some ways it's it can be seen as an attempt to make the core of faith even more about faith you know like it's it's it, it's to preserve something that in some ways the rules can can take away from over time um, if, if the rules themselves don't adapt because then the rules then it becomes about the rules it doesn't become about what the rules are trying to express I don't know does that make sense or not well it, it, it seems to me th- those in my life that are very resistant to religion or very have a just bristle at the idea of religion it's often because they see religion as a set of rules and and nothing more than that it, it is it is a group of people enforcing what they have seen as the rules of the game on on themselves or on other people um, and I think religion is a lot more than that of, of course but I, th- I think it that ties into what you're saying, Daniel, that the the rules can't be the rules just because we need rules. The rules need to be there to support the, the, the game, to support how we operate as a society, to support what we do as a as a denomination, as a religion. Um, yeah, yeah. They can't be the, They're not the, the end. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, sure there are sure. any number of people that would disagree with that, uh, yeah, but yeah. kind of what I've taken from it. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, and and all rules are have to be open to some new vision or modification, and that's why we have amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Right, it didn't just pop out fully birth; they had to keep amending and changing a few bits here and there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and I think you're right, Daniel, that that the vision of of a lot of things that we take for granted in the 21st century and the West. The seeds are there in the tradition and the Bible, but they may not be directly stated. So you can say, well, you know, we're following a a pure intent that was not obvious to people two thousand years ago because of, yeah, of the time right, and place they lived. Right. But in some ways, it's 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 an attempt so, to yeah. The alteration of the rules is an attempt to. Preserve, ironically, to preserve something kind of beautiful and good, even though it may not look like that on, on the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, because in the New Testament, Paul forbids women from speaking in church, and we can just kind of say, well, that's a bad rule. <laughs> and that's where I'm not a real, um, you know, I, I don't see that all of Scripture has the same authority. That's, that's just kind of incomprehensible right. to me. Like it's in there, yes, but it's a, it's not, it's not. If it's your guiding light, you've you've got a lot of problems in your life, in my opinion. Or say a genealogy, you know. I love number twenty fifteen. I have I that on, on my bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel bad for the Bible translator guys. Like you get to translate the NRSV, yay! What bought which one <laughs> numbers? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As I see it, like looking looking in the Christian tradition, I, I look at the the Bible and I, I see like there there are, there are guides in there the similar similar to Final Girls mm. rules about game ambiguity, and I'm thinking about Micah 
where it says, well, what is required? And, it, you know, what do you do if, if this isn't clear? And it's to Have kindness uh, and walk do, humbly with your justice God. Yeah. and love mercy. Yeah. yeah, and walk humbly with your God. And if you look through scripture, there are guideposts there that are kind of doing yeah. the same yeah, thing that right. the designers of Final Girl Oh, that's doing, brilliant. Say, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would have been better had I got Micah correct. But uh, no, it's. Close I, I think there's something there. You know, yeah. it's. In Methodism, you know, you have the Wesleyan quadrilateral and, and all these other things, which are basically ways of saying, what do we do when there's ambiguities? What do we do if we disagree about something or if we're not sure how to apply the, the rule to a specific right, fact right. pattern or a question that comes up? And, and I think yeah. that's what I see people missing sometimes is that, that a lot of scripture and, and language from other faith traditions are, are riddled with those guideposts to say, it's not always yeah, going to be yeah. clear, but here's what you should right. do. Right. Right. Here's the spirit of the rules, and here's, here's kind of a, self, a, a way to self-critique almost. Or like Jesus saying, the most important thing is to love God and love your neighbor, and everything else is, kind of hangs on that, you know, as, as, a, as a lens. Right. Right. Which wasn't original to him. Like, that's in the yeah. Old Testament, actually. So yeah. he was just repeating a bedrock. Yeah teaching so are there it's not quite the same as uh, does the bad guy uh slaughter two campers or just one uh but <laughs> still it helps you helps you uh that's figure right. out how to that's move. right uh daniel one of the best bits in final girl is at the very end there's a surprise moment for either you or the villain whoever whoever's about to die whether oh. they get to come back or not which is a great that's it's awesome. just like in the horror movies where you think the bad guy's dead yeah, and then awesome. they rise up. That's awesome. You know? Is it completely yeah, random? It's so such good. a really cool. So you don't really know they're dead. Till it's you've... completely random who gets to come yes. back. That's pretty cool. I forget, Jordan. There's like 12 tokens and three of them have a comeback and you flip them over so you don't know mm -hmm. which one they're going to get until awesome. it's revealed. Whether yeah. they have one more. So when, when, you, when you think you've killed the serial killer and then the camera's panning out, and then they sit up from behind the couch or something. That's awesome. Like that. It's yeah. just that. And there's moment. one for the hero or heroine too. That that you have that possibility. You think you're dead, and you get a comeback. You know, it's like one final yeah. attempt. And I've had it come down to those. I find it a hard game, so I usually lose. But I've had a couple of real gripping wins like that. that were fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll let you borrow you. it, Daniel. It sounds great. It's, it's, it sounds great. So, are there, are there any games with rules that we just don't click with at all? Like I mean, forget house ruling. Like we just can't, we just like it's, it's just it's just. Mage Knight still is is. I mean, once you're in it and you play it twice, then the third time it makes sense. But mm -hmm. it just will not stick. Is that fair, Jordan? Did you? It is. It is, and that's that's what I find when I have problems with rules. More often than not, it's. I take a uh, I take the rule book on me with a flight, or like on a flight or something like that, uh, and I'm like, oh, I'll have a couple hours. I'll read this, thinking I'll get it to the table in a day or two, and then a few weeks pass, and I sit down and I'm like, I've retained zero of that. Uh, so the biggest reason is when rules don't click, it's that it's the the temporal time, the the, the time between when I learn and when I actually play. Right. That an area control, mm -hmm. and I, I'm just terrible at. So it. if it's an area control game, just Keep on, keep on walking. I'm awful. 
I occasionally, when I when I will relent and play them with uh, my game group, I often win, which I find hilarious, and I don't know how it happens because uh, I usually don't win the games that I really like. Right. But there you go. It's like bowling. There's always a chance you get a strike, no matter how bad you are. You could still hit it. Are there any it's rules that'll click for you? Um, have you, Kevin? Is it? Would you say Mage Knight? Is that the? Is that the? Yeah, just in general, there's something counterintuitive. There's an intuition to a lot of games or a habit, and I don't know what it is, but that's an example of a game that seems... Yeah. It's just weird. And maybe part of it is there's no iconography exactly to help okay. you remember okay. some of the rules. So they give you little cards to remember, well, if you burn down a monastery, then you get X. But it's not, and, and when you're in the world, you're like, well, okay, I guess you do get a spell for destroying a monastery, but I mean, you're probably not going to remember that. That's just an obvious not, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's there's you, nothing there to help you. You just learned from. Yes. Yeah. The last monk is that's like, real life. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Daniel, um, what about you? Yeah. I, um, and I think this might be something that you've observed in me before, Jordan. I cannot get my brain to click around games where the rules change each round. Um, there are certain games that are designed where it's a different set of rules for every, each round. And by golly, my brain, or each play, a different set of rules, my brain just, I just, it's just not made for that. I don't know why. Um, What's an example? Um, I mean, these are all beloved games, so I'm not saying these are bad games. These are objectively good games people many many people love it but just my brain doesn't work with them um smash up is one uh smash up you 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 put together two different factions and each faction has its own rules and so every every time you're playing there's a different set of rules you're you're you're, you're playing because you're smashing together two different you know randomly connected um factions another one i love he was a guest on the episode i love so much, so many of his games, so much, uh, but the Rolling Rolling Realms from 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 um, uh, from uh, from Stonemaier Games. Uh, Jordan was there. We were, we played it at a conference once. Uh, it just broke my brain because it's like every every round it's huh. a it's, it's a different mini game, and I don't know what it is about my brain, but I, I think I just I like to I like I think what I like about games is I like to know the rules that govern this universe, right? That this universe of this game and then just exploring mm -hmm. the possibilities that those rules provide within that universe through the game. But when, but when it's a different set of rules every time, I just, my, I don't know. My brain just doesn't work that way. I don't know why it, my brain doesn't connect. Hmm. I have a distinct memory of about 10 minutes into that game, you just sitting and staring off into space as we could see your brain melt. And you're, you're guys, I'm sorry. None of this makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. I don't know why that is, but uh, it's, it is, it is, it is a true part of, of my brain. Kristen has observed that in me too. It can be true. Kevin, do you, ever, do you ever play games like that where the rules change every round or every play or. I don't know if it's rules, but I've got some games that I like where the points, there's a priority to certain actions in every round. I don't know if that's kind of what you're thinking. Um, 
I've got Gaia Project, which is a great game, but you really have to plan far ahead and in certain rounds, certain actions mm. are rewarded. And I get the rules, but it's just really hard to, to think that far. I almost, you know, I need to start yeah, taking notes yeah. about what I'm going to do. And then I forget because I get excited like, oh, I can take over the yellow planet. And then I forget that I get no points for it. So I'm very guilty for doing the cool action that doesn't score points. I, I'm the same way. I love planning ahead, and my brain gets set in that. So mm-hmm. um, I love the game Isle of Sky, uh, but if you've played it before, the yeah. the uh, scoring conditions change gotcha. um, round to round. And I will have a plan in place, and I will do something that's just genius, and I'm so proud of myself. And then I will <laughs> right. look, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't score this round. And as much as I love that game, I fall into that. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. step on that rake every single time. Step on that rake. That's funny. And you mentioned Stonemire games. Uh, I love Scythe. It's a great game. But part of it, sometimes the rules, they're just not what I expect. Like, you've got a hero dude, but he can't ever fight. And you're like, but why wouldn't he? Like, thematically, he can go out and stuff, but, like, no, he, he doesn't fight. He just discovers stuff. And you're like, but so he's just going to eat popcorn and watch. So there's a bit of me that the rules seem counterintuitive somehow within a narrative it's one of the things i've been on a big uh, vital lacerda i've kick. seen and i'm so and jealous that was so good those games and are so, so good. beautiful and too, what, the works of art they're beautiful and eno tools yeah. art is gorgeous but what i love is that they're very complex but there's only a few uh choices that you can make each round but then 12 things happen after right. you make that but once you play for a while, everything just clicks and makes sense. And I think his rule books are so good in boiling that mm. down mm. and even how he separates things out. Like, you want to play solo? We're going to put that in a separate uh, rule book. You want an index or glossary? We're going to put that in a separate. Um, the other thing that he does, speaking of scythe, I think Jamie Stigmeyer does here, is yeah. there's always a section that, like, oh, if yeah. you're a new player, focus on That's these nice. things. Which I loved in Scythe. It basically said, if this is your first yeah, game, yeah. do these things for your first four steps. Yeah. Uh, and I Still love that. really good at that. Launching pad. Right. Are there any rules that we would That's change cool. Cool. or house rule in games um, specifically to play that game in a house of worship or in some sort of worshipful community? You mean like in the fellowship yeah, hall or just, game night? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you mean because they're too I don't know. mean? Or are you t- thinking theme? Or are you thinking just player elimination type I guess stuff? I'm just, like, I, not fun? I'm, like are there are there rules for a game that we would change when we play them with our church group? Then we would or mosque group or temple group that we would not change if we were playing it with our game group. I don't know if there's specific rules, but Mm -hmm. mechanisms that are really take that where, and and by that I mean where in order, it's kind of like I said about area control or dudes on a map kind of games where in order for me to win this game, I need to make sure you don't win this game. I need to take all of your stuff which is a little different, you know. I like Euro games where 
there are only so many actions and we're kind of jostling to get the, the, the most resources or this action. And that's one thing. But games where you're, you really need to foil someone else's yeah. plans in order for mm-hmm. you to win, particularly if you're, if you're trying to introduce a game, game night and bring people to gaming that don't typically do that, I wouldn't want them going home feeling like, oh, that my, right, my pastor right, just right. Uh, took me out by the knees. Yeah, I'm with Jordan. I think it's more of a game selection yeah. knowing the crowd. But so certain games I wouldn't bring. And maybe there there might be kind of unofficial cultural rules. You're not going to trash talk exactly. Because trash talking is fun, but it has to be at the right setting where people know you're just, right. you know, right, it doesn't mean right. anything. But but in a church setting, a poor 19-year-old kid's crying because... <laughs> You threatened them with physical harm if they drew a card. <laughs> but, you know, you're really just talking. You didn't really mean it. Yeah. But So I guess it could be rule, rules for the rules. Meta rules? I never met a rule I didn't like. I don't know. How about no, you, Daniel? That was, that, was, hmm? that was bad. That was, that was rough. I made a Punch horrible one? joke. It wasn't good. <laughs> it's not worth repeating. I think I talked over you. I didn't hear it. No, it's, oh. it's good. Okay. Are there any you would have? No, I, I think I think you all said it well too. I mean, just you know, I think in terms of um, more game selection, probably you know, than anything else. Though, though there will be, mm-hmm. I think there there are games where yeah, though this would be true at game game group too, where we get to the end and I I kind of gloss over the scoring. Um, or you know, it, because uh, because we have maybe some first-time players or things like that, or folks who's you know the score was there was a large discrepancy in the in the score, you know, and and to, and it feels like to to pour over what the score what the final score would be would be almost kind of cruel for you know this, a, a first-time player or something like that, and so there, that sometimes right. it's kind of gloss over the scoring, you know, at the, at the end of the game, but. Speaking of that, I picked up somewhere on Reddit or something a, a nice house rule is if you teach a game, you should really try to not win because there's nothing worse than being the guy that teaches and then, as you're saying, yeah. then trounces everyone. I remember. So sometimes you do win, but I, remember but you I like that, that idea. Time. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you all about that. That's an interesting thought. I think that's important because it's about the right. gaming ex- experience and you're, you're, you're not going to pull out the really sharp arrows unless it's a group that's knows the sharp right. arrows are coming. I, I, um, mm-hmm. I struggle with that a little bit in that, you know, I, I, you know, when I would play games with my children, you know, if they found out that I let them win, you know, they'd get like really offended and angry, you know what I mean? Or not, not angry, but, the, but it would bother them, you know? Really? And so I, so I, I never know, what is the ethically right thing to do? Well, I, I teaching think a teaching a game is different. Yeah. Just because you, yeah. you have more of a leverage because yeah. yeah. you, you're experienced. Mm-hmm. But it's the teaching aspect, I think, is where you yeah, yeah, yeah. That give makes them a little sense. slack. That makes sense. It's like when my dad is really good at billiards, so he would play with his non-dominant hand mm-hmm. just to give mm-hmm. us a chance. Yeah. Oh, I like that. In, in our house, we always say the yeah. first game is not a winning or losing game. Right. It's a learning game. Um, 
now that's that's when I'm playing with my daughter or with my wife, frankly. <laughs> but but like in, in our game group, if if I'm sitting down and I've learned a game and somebody's or somebody else is bringing a game and they've played it once or twice or not at all, I wouldn't expect them to you know throw the game if they're teaching. That's it. probably um, fair. If it's a hardcore gaming group type thing, yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes if you know a game, it gives you a huge leg up, particularly right. like if you understand what cards right. are in the deck or you understand. Like I'll, I'll never forget, I played uh, Blood Rage for the first time, and there are some big cards that kind of change the game as you go in, the, in, in later rounds. And if you don't know what those right. are, right. you're not going to win. Um, and and that, that was fine. Uh, I just kind of had to get around get into this mindset right. of, oh, right. I'm, I really am just learning the game. I think also yes. sometimes you, get around, you can get around that in games by saying by saying that to people who are learning it. Like, okay, there's no way you can know this, but this card that just came out, this is a really good card. <laughs> and so, you know, and so you could... That is you, a good it, one. It, it would yeah. probably be a good yeah. idea if you can get this card for you to get this card, you know, or something like that, sort of. And, yeah. And along those lines, if I teach a game, sometimes I'll talk strategy because I can tell they're overwhelmed. So I can say... So what I'm thinking through right now is I know this car, or I know this is where I get points. I'm going to try to do this. So yeah, yeah, you give them a little insight. Commentary to the... I always do that and and say, let me know if you need me to shut up. Like, if you've got this, great. But if you need some kind of suggestions, I'm here to... To right, help right. You through that. Or what I was thinking was even when I'm taking my turn, I'm just sort of you're you're, you're narrating what you're thinking, talking through my decision yeah. tree. Yeah, so that way it's not oh, so sure, much sure, trying sure. to tell. But yes, yeah, certainly if if they look lost or if they seek help, I can say, well, here's a few yeah. things to choose from. Um, but yeah, I try to real. I, I'm not an alpha gamer, so I don't try to tell them what to do. My um, 13 year old yeah. is alpha game, Lord of the Universe. So. <laughs> and he's so funny because he loves the risk. So it's like you have a one in thousand chance of defeating the boss if you draw this card. He's like, oh, I'm totally doing that. <laughs> he great. loves the risky moves. So hope, hopefully, he never goes to Vegas. Do you do you have that though? If you are teaching cooperative games, I feel like cooperative games are are different because I, I always worry that if I'm teaching a cooperative game. I'm, I am alpha gaming. I am kind of suggesting to people how to go about things. And it's really hard to know when and how to draw that line. I hate doing it, but I also, you know, it's more fun if you win. And if I see people, like, making a decision early in the game thinking, oh, this is going to tank it. You know, That's at one tough. point do you step in. Yeah. Yeah, I find that tough, too. Um Yeah, I don't know if there's an answer. It's probably more an art than a science. I, I still like the idea of giving them some options. Yeah, yeah. So you're not exactly telling them what to do, mm-hmm. but you're saying, well, you could consider this or, you know, or one thing that may happen later. But if they choose to do X, yeah. then you just have to go with it. But that is tough. Mm-hmm. Well, I, this is a great discussion. I hate to draw it to an end, but I, I see we are, we have, we are at time. We've approached kind of our, uh, our hour mark here. Um, Jordan, obviously this has been a very f- fruitful topic. Thank you so much for, for suggesting a, a, a great conversation and for being willing yeah. to take part in it. And, and for all of your 
faithful listening to the show and we appreciate it all. Thank thank you so much. It's great having you here. Well, thanks very much for the invite. This was a lot of fun. We've enjoyed it. And, um, and next time, next Next time, time. Kevin, I think you, you, you have earned the right to talk about next time. I mean, in my book, you always, I mean, it's never anything you, you earn. I, um, so we're having a special guest next time. I'm lucky. Who is, yeah. yeah. Oh, is it? Is that is, is Scarfo Games? So, I'm so excited. Yeah, so, what's I, happening, I Kevin? Next it. episode. I'm gonna cut the alert, earlier part out. We are having Shem Phillips come and discuss board game design as well as his uh, religious journey. So exciting! That's gonna be great. Yeah. So Garfield Games, yeah. He used to work wow. at McDonald's. <laughs> and and his there's a real story there, I think. There there's he, he was given the opportunity to start a company and design games and and um you know nothing yeah, wrong with yeah. working at McDonald's, but that that's a wild shift to go from McDonald's to that's acclaimed cool. board game that's designer. Who just is a machine. I mean he puts out yeah, two great yeah. titles a year or something like that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, for anybody who's new to the podcast, I'm sorry that you're you're getting me for the first episode. No, Smash no, between no, no, no. Tim Phillips and Jamie Stegman. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, you're a great guest, Jordan. No, you you are you are awesome in and of your own right. You you can you can. So no, we we love having you. Thank you. And I appreciate thinking about rule books. I think that that really is a great topic that. Everyone, yeah. everyone struggles with it and thinks about and notices, but I don't know that yeah. people talk about it exactly besides complaining. And, and it is a fruitful so, yeah. area of overlap between, I think, areas of board games and faith. It, it's, it's a, mm-hmm. um, we should have a, uh, yeah. Maybe we should have a follow-up. What if, what if religions were more like board game rules, rule books? Ooh. A little more overt with some of the rules. Like what, what, like what happens when you have like a revised edition cool. or a third edition or a fourth edition? <laughs> I want the fourth yeah. edition of Habakkuk. Yeah. Give me Habakkuk V4. Isn't that a short one? So it'd be like just another chapter. I, I think like it, I just like five. to say Habakkuk. Seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but V4 right, comes with right, the metal right, coins, though, right. so it's it's worth it. Yeah, at, at our church, I, I've seen others do, like, a casual dress for the summer, and then I realized we put it in the bulletin for July and August, but then most people are so casual anyway, I right. really didn't know what the rules were. Besides, right, what was right. I supposed to wear? So I went with Air Jordans and shorts and a, and a black, a black tie. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, sort of like a penguin, <laughs> confused penguin. Yeah, so like what are the rules for dress or, or yeah, I don't know. That might be interesting. Well, more to discuss in the future, but thank you so much, everyone, for joining us, and we appreciate you all. If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, as Board Game Faith, primarily on Instagram, or you can email us at boardgamefaith at gmail.com. So until next time, thank you so much, everybody. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jordan.
By the way, I'm okay not not including that skit in, in the in the final shit. So, um, because we're talking about rules on, on this episode of Board Game Faith, we thought we would do something that we haven't done in, in quite a while, which is return to an opening skit or an opening game. Now, if you have listened to this episode, our, our old episodes before, and, and heard one of these skits and games, and are terribly grateful that we got rid of them, please know that we're not going to be doing this every episode again, but we just thought it'd be kind of fun to bring it back as a, a celebration of of rules. We're going to have uh, an unnecessary rule, an unnecessary obstacle to kind of have fun with here. So we're going to start off. Are, are we, we talked a little bit beforehand about this, Jordan, Kevin, and I, are, are we good with, are we good with beginning the process here, Kevin and Jordan? Okay. So yes. for our dear listeners, our dear listeners, here we go. First of all, we're going to pick a random scenario. There are three son, um, scenarios uh, from which we can pick, and we're going to let the, the die decide here. Um, Santa's elves going through the airport, pirates at a grocery store, or or um, cave people at a soccer game. And then we're going to um, roll a D6, a six-sided die, and depending on the number that pops up, we are going to have a certain rule for how we communicate for the next three minutes in that scenario. Um, number one is we can only speak in song titles. Number two, each comment has to begin with the next letter of the alphabet. Number three, we can only speak in questions. Number four, we can only speak in three word phrases. Number five, I'm really rooting for this one. We replace every letter S with the letter M. <laughs> and then number <laughs> and then number six, each sentence has to rhyme with the previous one in couplets, right? I guess if it was like every sentence, it would be just one rhyme for the whole conversation. Does that sound all good? I, I would suggest after a minute you roll, re-roll, and we have to get a different. Genius. I think that's genius. Communication. That's why. Because I'll run out of rhymes. That's why I'll run you out of are time. the brains of this operation, Kevin. Okay, you're okay. Ready? And the, and the, and the brawn, and the and the face. I'm and I'm the awkwardness. All right, you ready? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it here. Um, I'm rolling a virtual six sided die. To determine. The scenario here. One, two, three, four, five, six, three. Seven. It's one. So we are Santa's elves using an airport. Um, all right. We, we, are, we are Santa's elves using an airport. And um, all right, here is our first communication rule. It's number two. So each comment has to begin with the next letter of the alphabet. Um. Are are uh, are we ready? Okay, we're ready. Um, here Think we go. Let's. Um, and I I'll just kind of shout out the new rule after a minute comes. Okay, so the rest of y'all can be in character if you want to. I'll try to too. Okay, here we go. Always late. Always late. Seems like we're always late. Boy, oh boy, I'm tired of being so late. Why can't we be on time once? Can't we just get to the gate already? Dang it. I just lost my wheeled luggage in the gutter. Every time. Every time. <laughs> elf. 
Elfo, Elfo McElfington. <laughs> that was a double E, by the way. Flight looks like it's delayed, Elfo, Elfo McElfington. <laughs> Gosh, what are we going to do now? Howie's Hamburgers is open. Let's go get a double hamburger. I don't know about that. Change your rules. Only speaking questions. It's already been a minute. You don't like hamburgers? It's only been... It's already been a minute. <laughs> Wait, what's the rule again? <laughs> Did someone say we can only speak in questions? It's gone meta, people. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Who will save our souls if we can't save our own? Is there any way to talk in questions without rephrasing statements as questions? <laughs> How much time until this minute is up? Does my computer screen say 19 seconds? What's an airplane anyway? <laughs> Who are we? What are we doing and here? Where are we going? Wait, what's that you said about hamburger? Change the rules. <laughs> we already have this one. Do it again. We can only speak in three word phrases starting now. Me still hungry. <laughs> hamburger was small. Need more hamburger. Is there time? South Pole Ahoy. There is time. South Pole Ahoy. That's too free. Still in airport? Oh, I guess it didn't have to be a question. Still in airport. Still in airport. We all sound like Yoda. <laughs> Santa in South? <laughs> Expedition. New franchise. Mm. All aboard. Everyone. Even Elf 1, Elf 1, Elf 1. Today? <laughs> uh... What's my name? Elfo, Elfo, Elfkin. Real Slim Shady. All right, that's it. That was the end. That was the end. That was uh, brilliant. It was brilliant. That was weird. <laughs>